0: Hey everyone, it's Raheel. Normally, we would do a Food Tuesday episode here, but following the tragic mass shooting events in Cleveland and Allen, Texas, just eight days apart, I wanted to bring in Evan Mintz, who was a Pulitzer Prize finalist for his series on gun laws, to break down where our state falls short in gun safety and what can be done. It's Tuesday, May 9th. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston is talking about. Hey, Evan, welcome in. How are you, man? Doing all right. You know, it is a another somber day here in the city of Houston and in the state of Texas. We've recapped everything that's happened, so let's jump right into it. What is up with the gun violence in Texas? It seems like it, it's really acute here in Texas. Is that the case?
1: Well, looking at the data on a per capita basis, firearm deaths in the state of Texas are about 3% higher than national rates. But that data is just from 2020. We as a nation do a very bad job of collecting information on gun violence. And given the fact that the open carry laws in Texas went to effect in 2022, it's going to take us a few years to really get an objective sense of what the effects of those laws are.
0: All right. So with those numbers that you pointed out, we've seen mass shootings in states with stricter gun laws as well. So are stricter gun laws really the solution to preventing another mass shooting?
1: Well, that's a funny question, because for 20 years, the federal government refused to fully fund research into gun violence policies. Some gun laws are written differently than others. Some may be more effective than others. But we have a 20-year gap on data and research to really identify what works and what doesn't. But if I'm looking at a state-by-state map of gun violence, California rates, much lower than other states. New York, much lower. We really do have evidence that some gun laws work and some gun laws may or may not be effective at preventing mass shootings as well. This is a scientific problem in that uh, while mass shootings are tragic and awful and get headlines, there aren't really a lot of them in a way where you can collect data around it and apply it to policy. But looking at Rand's Gun Policy in America Institute. Uh, There is a growing set of research finding that bans on the sale of assault weapons and other high capacity magazines may reduce mass shootings. We need more research there, but I think that's an avenue that we need to look at critically.
0: Where does Texas compare with other states when it comes to gun laws? Like Just breaking it down, how easy is it to buy a gun in Texas?
1: Oh, it's very easy, particularly after we pass the open carry law. Um, All you have to do to buy a handgun in Texas is be 21 years old and not have a prior felony conviction and a few other things. Uh, And it's even easier if you buy it in a personal to person purchase, because then background checks don't really apply. Uh, There really aren't any prohibitions on it besides sort of specific prohibitions on owning any firearm.
0: Okay, so Evan, when somebody goes out and buys a gun, do they have to go through a training? Is there a class they have to sit through or is it, uh, it's my gun and I'm ready to go?
1: Well, it used to be that if you wanted to get a concealed carry license, you had to take a class to get that license. It involved some training. But ever since Texas got rid of that and just said, you don't need a license to carry guns. uh, No, you can just go and buy it and then it's yours. So
0: what are common sense gun laws? We always hear about that phrase when shootings happen, unfortunately, and we say, let's enact just common sense gun laws. What exactly does that look like? laid out for the listeners.
1: Well, one thing to keep in mind is that the majority of deaths by gun in the United States are suicides so the laws that work there are going to be different than other laws but just looking at the state of research child access prevention laws are strongly shown to prevent violent crime unintentional injuries and deaths and suicides waiting periods may reduce violent crime red flag laws surrendering of firearms by prohibited possessors may reduce violent crime also there's a growing body of research showing that stand your ground laws and concealed carry laws increase violent crime so As we look at this research, as we're starting to build out this body of evidence, we are seeing some laws that may be the things we need to help keep Americans safe.
0: You mentioned red flag laws and Texas Republicans in DC, they were willing to approve a bill that would enact those laws. What happened there?
1: Well, after the Uvalde shooting, John Cornyn was able to help usher through a bipartisan safety law that had many components to it. One of them was closing the boyfriend loophole. There are federal prohibitions on gun ownership for people who have been convicted of domestic violence, but there's a difference between married, having a kid, being a boyfriend, and making sure that boyfriend applies there. Uh, But also part of the law was an incentive program to encourage states to have red flag laws, which prevent individuals who are deemed dangerous from obtaining guns. Usually involves a Judicial hearing, making sure that people's due process rights uh, are respected. And there has to be uh, a triggering event, reporting by police, reporting by family members. But it's the sense that you can have a really narrowly targeted gun prohibition uh, on specific individuals who are shown to be a threat to communities rather than writing a law across the board. And ideally, this would be the sort of thing that you would hope that people who really uh, care deeply about gun ownership. Would take more seriously. Uh, They would say that this is something that gets at the underlying issue itself while allowing an overwhelming majority of people who have guns to keep them. Uh, But it's just really depressing that this hasn't gotten too much traction. And I'll point out that John Cornyn was willing to uh, sign off on this law along with 14 other Republican senators. As he said at the time, doing nothing is an abdication of our responsibility as representatives, and he pointed out that the choice between public safety and right to bear arms is a false choice. It is not an either-or. But at the same time, John Cornyn and many other Texas representatives said, oh, absolutely not, that this is stripping away of Americans' constitutional rights.
0: Why are they so afraid to implement any kind of laws and at least try them from a Texas lawmaker standpoint, from congressmen, why are they so afraid?
1: You know, you'll have to ask them. Uh, I will say from a, a good faith perspective, they really do believe that Second Amendment is critical to larger issues of liberty and democracy and that the right to bear arms should not be compromised in any circumstance. And they view that these homicides are not committed by law abiding gun owners. They are committed by a criminal class and that all we need to do now is enforce the laws as they are written.
0: But you know, the thing is, I've noticed a lot of people who commit these mass shootings don't actually have criminal records. So the next thing we always hear is mental health being brought up. And that seems to be the new go-to phrase for a lot of lawmakers and for citizens in general, right? So let's play that game for a second. If there are mental health issues that are plaguing our state and our city, What are they doing to fix them?
1: Well, first, I would point out that that's a really good argument for red flag laws. That if there's someone out there who's suffering from mental health issues, that you want a legal process by which you can say you're not going to have your guns until you're feeling better. Uh, And but we would need to have those laws in place. And I'll also point out that the state of research does show that mental health services uh, does reduce crime. And typically, we see that expansion of mental health services through the expansion of Medicaid at a state level, which Texas hasn't done. As Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report and Jeremy Wallace of the Houston Chronicle pointed out on their Texas Take podcast, Texas is dead last behind Mississippi on access to mental health. It just feels like some type of big political joke if you're going to have the governor say, well, we need to expand mental health and then refusing to take the low-hanging fruit and by expanding Medicaid.
0: Why does it have to be one or the other? Why do we have to either enact reform or new mental health policies? Why can't we do both? Why not tackle this issue from multiple angles?
1: You know, we should be able to, and I wish that Texas could. uh, But I really think that we have this underlying problem in the way that our state politics works, which is that the most important election is in the Republican primary. As long as Texas is gonna be gerrymandered Republican, as long as the statewide results are gonna be presumptively Republican, then all you have to do is win that Republican primary. And the people who care deeply about gun ownership, who don't wanna see any laws passed, who don't want to expand Medicaid, are the ones who matter in those elections, then none of this stuff is gonna happen.
0: When it comes to our lawmakers, when we talk about why aren't things being done right a lot of people immediately go oh nra they're definitely you know lobbyists they're definitely funding this politician is that the case or is it as you mentioned that they truly believe that you cannot strip anybody of their rights when it comes to the second amendment
1: i think that right now the nra is perhaps the weakest it's been in my lifetime they've had their own internal scandals Uh, where leadership was misusing funds, but the base of people who care about gun ownership in this way, they have a life of their own. They are activated on their own. And if the NRA didn't exist, it would be created.
0: All right, Evan, so let's talk about solutions. If you had a chance to implement new policies, new laws, and they said, Evan, you are our guy, how would you tackle this problem?
1: I mean, the first thing I would do is expand Medicaid. Other red states have done it. It has benefits beyond this immediate moment. But I think it's an obvious answer that everyone should be able to get behind. I'd also roll back our stand your ground laws. I think those are shown by evidence to expand violent crime. Uh, I also think they send just a bad message to society. They should feel entitled to take deadly action against other people. I'd also make sure that we have uh, concealed carry laws, uh, that you have to have a license to be able to carry out in public. And I know that the recent Supreme Court uh, Bruin case uh, put some interesting bounds about what is allowed and what isn't allowed. But I think that the conservative concurrence made it clear that shall issue licensure is still allowed and I know law enforcement defined it to be very useful. I'd also like to see waiting periods put in place. There's a lot of research showing that those can be very helpful. And I'd also just like to see support and expansion of red flag laws. I think that's something that should have a bipartisan basis that we have seen it bipartisan by John Cornyn in DC. And I think that his colleagues closer to Austin should be able to get on board.
0: With the red flag laws, where does social media come into play there? And and look, there's a lot of private conversations. There's a lot of public conversations. We've seen with multiple shooters that they've posted things on social media before committing these heinous crimes. Where does all of that come into with social media?
1: You know, I'd have to say, like my torts professor uh, would often remind us, that's for the judge to decide. But I also think there's a bigger issue here, too, that's hard to get at in law, which is that we have this odd cultural fascination with gun ownership that isn't matched by responsibility that you see people taking up their arms almost as a cultural signifier, or as to be like you're part of a team, almost in the same way you would put on like a rocket's jersey or an Astros hat. I'm a gun owner, and this is who I am. This is what I do. Uh, and if that's how you self-identify, it really falls on that culture of gun ownership to emphasize the importance of responsibility, the importance of safety, and working with our lawmakers to pass laws that will ensure that the most people possible are kept safe from gun violence.
0: Evan, anything else that I might have left off that you want to hit on?
1: No, I don't really have anything else to to add. This is always such a tough topic because we keep saying the same stuff over and over again, and each individual tragedy is awful in its own unique way, but what we keep seeing over and over again is someone with an AR-15-style weapon goes in somewhere and just shoots a bunch of people. And if you look at the, the data that we have on mass shootings... Big public mass shootings like that are less than twenty percent of shootings where a whole bunch of people are killed. Like almost about half of them are family shootings. Uh, you know, someone usually does murder-suicide and kills a whole bunch of family members, or they're mass shootings that are part of a different felony happening that someone's trying to rob someone and a whole bunch of people get shot. So looking at these things uh, as their own like standalone problem is really tough because. Each one of them makes headlines, but there's not a whole lot of them to really try to figure out what policies work and what don't. Uh, And your just gut instinct is to say, why is it so easy to get a weapon like this? Uh, Even if you want to say, well, I believe in the right to bear arms. I believe gun ownership is a bulwark against tyranny. Okay, well. Make it legal to have one, and you have to keep it in your home. You know, for the moment that society collapses and you need to go like shoot the evil police or or whatever this looks like. Uh, but to say that people can just walk around with these things, knowing what they do, knowing the only thing that they do, I, I just have trouble getting through that cultural barrier. I guess I'm just not part of that world.
0: Evan, thank you so much. I know it was a another tough episode to do, but had to talk about it so i appreciate you jumping on
1: well you know i wish i could be here under better news but i'm glad i can try to add a little data and research to the moment
0: that was evan mitts while you might know evan as our political contributor he also works for arnold ventures a company focused on funding evidence-based research in various categories like gun violence research and criminal justice one note after we taped this episode, the Texas House Select Committee on Community Safety passed a bill that raises the age from 18 to 21 to purchase a long gun in Texas. So what are your thoughts on gun violence in Texas? Text message us or leave us a voicemail at 713-489-6972. That will do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Raheel Ramzanali and I hope you learned something new.